0: Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, Tom Jacobs, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, good. It's going to be a big week for the DP World Tour, Sky. Um, we should get... Uh, so when Zach's picks? Are they tonight, tomorrow? Tomorrow. 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 Yeah. So you've got, so you got Zach Johnson's picks for the USA team tomorrow night, and then Luke Donald makes his European Ryder Cup picks after this Amiga European Masters. Um Sky, how much do you think he put into stock last week's checkmasters? Because there was a lot of players that were in the mix, and ultimately then Todd Clements beats Matt Wallace, and I don't know that either of those really had Ryder a cup implications.
0: Man, uh, it's it's so hard to not have a recency bias, right? It's got to be very, very difficult. Um, I think yeah. the Europe team in the past has done an incredibly good job at just being statistically driven, so you hope that they wouldn't be. But at the same time, the only reason I think – they can be is is getting more eyes on ludwig right like that's that's the only thing that i think really might matter short term is just there's not enough out there on on him compared compared to the other guys and which can make him a pick um i guess let's if if I, i'm pretty firm on who i want on the team are do you have a firm stance
1: yeah, I wanted Moronk and Hoygaard. I don't know if that's necessarily... Nikolai Hoygaard. I don't know if that's necessarily changed. The one person I think... And, yeah, you know, we'll get so, into this Sepp, a little bit so. soon.
0: So, who's the yeah. third then? That would be the question. Or is that a lock with Sepp? Or do you think
1: it's a routine? Yeah, I guess Sepp's in for me.
0: Right? I, I think Sepp's in absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, okay. I think it's only the only, thing, only way it changes now is if Bob gets picked by, like, Yannick Paul.
0: Yeah. So then, so there's basically two spots right now. Assuming, yeah. assuming Bob has the final spot.
1: And and like initially, I wanted Nikolai Hoygaard and Adrian Moron. And I don't know if that's necessarily changed too much for me based on last week. I think if Ludwig did something different to what I thought he would do, which was getting contention, then fall away on Saturday and then have a low round, he, he played it exactly how I thought I would, like I thought it would. Like maybe he finished a little bit higher than I expected, but like. It played out exactly the same way. Like he got in contention Saturday, pretty rough, and then Sunday, he was when he was out of the picture, he kind of go again. So, I think there's two players now that could really secure a spot. And one of them wasn't really on my radar. I th- Does Bjork get in with a win? No, he'd be terrible. <laughs> I feel like well, I, know, I know, but like he's been so good. Yeah. Like, like if he like what you're saying to Alexander Bjork is like, if you don't get in this year, you're never going to get in because we just don't think you can play a rider card, which is, which is fine. Like I, I completely get that. But like, if him winning this week doesn't really matter, then I don't know, like outside of Bayberg and Hoygaard who it really matters. So I guess Moronk. But like, does Matt Wallace going two one change anything? Like he, he didn't get in with three wins in the season.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's I, I guess I think it's I think it's moroc or Aberg. I think Nicole lies a lock. Uh, yeah like I, I can't imagine them leaving him off the team over Aberg.
1: Well uh, because and he did well in that um thing earlier in the year as well, right? Like what was it the um I forget what they call it, like the Sevi trophy or whatever it was, like and he played well and they were they were talking glowingly about him. Um and I just think look, he's a perfect we know he's a perfect cause for it. He's done it there before. So yeah, I think Moronk's in a little bit of a precarious position, the fact that he's still not done enough. That that's like I would
0: I I would pick Aberg over him right now. For me. I, I just think the ceiling's higher, personally. Uh,
1: I, I think I think the trouble is with, with that is that like so Moronk basically is exactly what Aberg did. Last week, except Aberg clawed it back on Sunday, and I think I think the difference with Aberg is he's so used to these kind of volatile rounds, whereas like Moron Kivi, like because he was thirteenth going into the weekend, Moronk, and instead of building on it, just had a bad Saturday, and whereas like Aberg's bad Saturday was like seventy-one, Moronk's was seventy-seven. So this, I guess, depends on how much they'll put into course experience, because like if if it's a course experience, then Moronk has to go right, but if they just well, think that Aberg,
0: to, you know, like isn't like a just set up perfectly for the course yeah, right like, so if like, yeah. he could have been yeah. like really well there i don't that's my question like is there too much stock into a win there when he was i don't know i don't know well, the,
1: the argument the argument you gotta have is like if a played it for the last four years could he have won it and you, the answer would probably be no because he would have been like 14 or whatever he would have been when like they well,
0: first, the funny like, thing is a- though i i mean He's what he's older than the Hoy guards, right? Like that's yeah, because he did the reverse, like what they did. I mean, they went pro. I don't know, man. It, it's difficult. I, it's hard. <laughs> <to> <laughs> it. I it's uh, just uh, really
1: hard with Aberg because like a part of me absolutely sees the idea of blooding in someone young and someone that's going to be on these teams to come. If that's the trajectory he's on, I, I understand that. Then there's the factor of, like, there is just no denying the fact that he just goes nuclear at any point. Like, he goes five... I think he did it on, like, Sunday or on Friday. He had, like, four or five birdies in a row to start his round. Like, that is the golfer he is, and that's perfect for Ryder Cup. Um, I think, ultimately, the one of the things they've got to answer is, like, how often are they going to ask these last couple of guys in to play? Like, are they literally going to play, like, one match in the singles and everyone else just going to rely on... because? 'Cause Rory, Rahm, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, they're gonna get played a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe I'm just being hard on Moronk. I don't know. You know, I'm No,
1: I, I think I think it's fair. Like I like I think it was just one of those ones where like to me in my head two weeks ago, no one was really taking it off of Moronk and there was no real reason to leave him out. But now Labour continues to play well. I mean, I guess the real test would be like how well does he play this week? Because I this like, the course last week was much more suitable, I think. Like, and, and I, I don't I say that in the sense that, like, Aber would struggle here. Um But his edge is gone. Yeah. Like, his off the tee edge is gone. So, it then comes down to his iron play, which was improved last week. He was 25th in the field in the skate approach, right.
0: which... that's the iron he's had in a while,
1: yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... I was actually really close to, and I didn't in the end, but I was really close to actually picking him this week. You know the discussion you had last week about, like, if he had been 16 or 18 to 1, you'd have picked him. I mean, he's 18 to 1 this week. So I think this is about as close as I've been to betting on Aberg, despite the fact there's been kind of 40s and 50s around him earlier on in the PJ Tour season. Um, he's shown that he can do it under the pressure, like he did last week. He just still probably hasn't shown the winning aspect just yet. Yeah, 100%
0: well we have another monday to discuss this before we right because it's yeah well i don't know if donald's picking on monday or tuesday do we know that
1: uh let's have a look
0: little... today we'll tweet our thoughts but well, yeah like, day, like we'll...
1: i think i think we can probably immediately react on sunday right like in in some some sort of form um We'll know pretty early on. Like, I think there'll probably only be two of these guys that really matter involved on Sunday. And it might be that I think one of them, only one of them is probably going to be in contention to win. So I think it's going to be does someone shoot a 62 right in front of Eduardo Molinari or whatever? Like, it could be really important. So, yeah, I think, I think your, I think the point you made earlier about it being a statistical thing is going to probably play more of a factor because of Eduardo Molinari being on the team. Like, he doesn't he like, um, do, Hovland's and Fitzpatrick's stats.
0: I did not know that. I would make sure, sure.
1: I'm sure he does at least Fitzpatrick's. Okay. Um I love it. So so I think I think like he could be a big factor. Um we'll get more into that in a minute. But like yeah, that that's my current thoughts, is that I think Moronk is really on the edge. I still haven't seen enough from Ludwig to say definitively take him, but i'm much more at ease with someone take, taking him over in this time around. yep whereas sepp i think did enough at the tour championship just to kind of go let's take him
0: yeah sepp's t6 at the, the tour championship in stroke play is is you know e- exponentially better than than those finishes yeah. in my opinion on those guys but uh we could talk all day on that we need to transfer yeah. over to the event of the week yeah so we're recording on monday Um, As of now, the DraftKings salaries have not been released for the Omega European Masters. So our plan is to split this show into two parts. Today, Monday, per usual, being our betting show, break down our cards for the week. And then Tuesday, come back with a a hitter over the DraftKings salaries, plays this week. And why it's so important, and hopefully we're getting some new faces, new listens this week, is there is a $100,000 prize first place to DraftKings this week. their flagship contest since you and i have started this podcast tom we have never crossed into six figures before it's massive massive for us um let's hope we can get it filled and have more rewards because we've been dwindling all season down to very small prizes um and for not even having an event that is um you know co-sanctioned or or co-parted together it's this isn't a scottish open right this is a true dp world tour event and Rider Club implications and massive DFS time for us. So we're going to spend some quality time going over that tomorrow. Um, this will be up Monday evening, our betting show. So we'll stick it per usual for that and spend some time digesting and be ready for one of us to take home six figures this week because that's really cool. Waking up to that this morning on a Monday. And then there's other contests with with some really good prizes as well. So um ample opportunity for those who want to continue the golf season, even though you know the PJ tour might have just wrapped up yesterday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I think I think that you're hitting that on the head like we do need to fill these because we talk about you know we love playing them anyway but like you know RB and Axis and who talk also just you know consistently putting lineups and and you want to reward those guys with these kind of big these big fields and this is there's never been a better time I mean like even the Irish Open and, and Wentworth could be really important it's just that there will be PJ Tour events that week and that will eat into the kind of prize but I imagine but if people filled up this week and we're showing appetite in prior up into the lead of of the Ryder Cup, then, you know, there's some big names in that Wentworth field. That's going to be the bigger event that week. So, um, you know, potentially it could happen again at the BMW PGA.
0: Yep. Super, super excited for that. Um, and let's just dive right in, right? Omega European sisters for, for those that have, um, tuned to any DP world tour events in the past. Grand Souciere is the golf course this week among the most beautiful sites that you'll ever see in golf um, just full of the mountains full of elevation um, and it's a trickier type of course um you know it's you you brought it up earlier when talking Aberg. It, it, it's a i think holy said it well it's a a game of chess in the sense of you can't just bomb and gouge it you're going to have to play from fairways you're going to have to work around tree-lined fairways you're going to need to hit approaches into elevated greens on top of the elevation that you're playing at in the mountains. We've seen um, names of guys who have really, really good short games and came and delivered that um, in victories here in the past around the green pops, even more than a usual week. Um, you know, we've seen the likes of obviously Rory McIlroy being contention, even though it's power driven, but you seen him get beat in a playoff by Sebastian Soderbergh. We've seen Matthew Fitzpatrick win back-to-back years here in the past um, it's a course that I am super excited to to watch and kind of wager on every single year. Um, if we look, you know, even previous, right, winners, Thriston Lawrence was last year over Matt Wallace. Um, Rosmus Hoygaard, again, if we stuck from a power standpoint, had one here in 2021 as well. So just a lot to love this week. Any more course thoughts overall?
1: No, I think I think the important thing is that you could see 61s and 62s here like we saw them i think uh norcom model shot 61 last year potentially um you know rosner shot sixty two in a final round previously like you will see those scores but like you say when we've been referenced it like it is a case of you have to play this really smartly like you, you can tear the course apart but you have to do it strategically you don't you don't tear it apart by free winning off the tee so you you can drive several of the par 4s but no one really tries to because it brings in so much trouble. And I think it's potentially one of the most scenic, well, is the most scenic golf course on the DP World Tour. It's probably one of the most scenic golf courses in the world. Mm. Um, and look, I think when you look back, it's, it's changed obviously in recent years, but from 2002 to 2005, you had Robert Carlson, Ernie Ayles, Luke Donald and Sergio Garcia win. And then 2009 onwards, Alex Noron, Miguel Angel, him Thomas Bjorn, Richie Ramsey, Thomas Bjorn again. Then you had... Uh, David Lipsky win, who, you know, big fan of, Noran, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick. So you get pretty much the best players contend and win here. Um, and, you know, Rasmus Hoygaard and Bernd Wiesberg in 2021 would have been the two top players, or the thought, two of the top players uh, in the field that week. So while you had Tristan Lawrence and Matt Wallace change things a little bit, while you've had Soderbergh beat Roy McIlroy and then three others that you wouldn't necessarily put in a playoff, it's you do get the the classier winners win so i do think you have to go to the top of the market um it's going to be all in that approach play all all wedges all short irons um that's not to say you can't you you know you can't benefit from driving it straight off the t sky like i don't think like it's completely negated off the t stuff but the power is negated
0: yeah yeah there is a few drivable par 4s um We've seen guys attack it. I think there was like a stretch of a uh, few holes in a row. Yeah. Um, hole six is the one I believe that uh, you, you can drive pretty much anybody in the field. Now again, power, power always plays in the sense that they'll be able to take lesser clubs into tighter yeah. spots and you know be able to have a tighter dispersion from that standpoint. So does does always be a benefit hitting those type of clubs, but it also brings different golfers into play compared to last week. Um, where it, it truly played out once again, um, to be exactly what we thought it would be. Um, so, uh, top of the leaderboard or top of the odds board. Um, I give it a little bit of a pass in the sense of, right, we're seeing Matthew Fitzpatrick. You mentioned Aberg, Pure talent, 16th and 18th is available. I think we still are ending up waiting a little bit deeper into the cards. Morocco. Um, who's, again, built, like Nikolai Hoigard, around power two near the top. We've seen a crashing number on Matt Wallace this morning, out down to 25 after being popular. Um, but you are leaning with the golfer who, off the tee, really puts himself, I think they said in the broadcast, social distancing from his partners. <laughs> when he's um, and that, that could be a true benefit this week uh, for Alexander Bjork. So can you dive into why you really like him?
1: Yeah, so just for Björk, I think ultimately he has, has done as well as he has this season, despite just lacking the most obvious skill set, right? Like every single week his strokes and approach play is absolutely phenomenal. And he's I think he's got the lowest score and average on the tour. He's had seven top tens already, which has barely been beat if it has at all. Um, he had that stretch of, of four top tens in a row. Um, going into the Scottish Open, he didn't top 10 there, but he played pretty well. And then he made the cut at uh, the Open Championship going into the final round. He was 25th. So you, you wondered how he was going to bounce back. My, my concern last week going to him was one, off the tee, he's just severely handicapped. And two, he was coming off a four week break, right? And you never know quite after all that run of form how you kind of bring things back. And then he's second off around one, first off around two. Uh, shoots the 75 on Saturday. Aberg struggled on Saturday, Moronk struggled on Saturday, so there was clearly a tough scoring round. Um, You know, Todd Clements shot 69, who won it, but that was kind of one of the better scores of the day. So not too worried about that Saturday round. The fact that he bounced back again uh, in the final round kind of suited me. So he finished in 14th place last week, pretty consistent. Then you look at his course form and it's just 16th, 28th, 13th, 16th, which maybe sums up Alexander Bjork and his career, right? But It just feels a little bit different this season. He was third going into the final round on his debut here in 2017. I just think that this is the best chance he's going to get to really get that second win. He's in form. He's in his irons and wedges really well. He's a strong putter um, at times. So I think there's not a better occasion for Alexander Bjork. If he's going to do it, it's going to be this week. And I do feel like he... It feels like he's got the winning mentality now. It's just that he hasn't got the real skill set you need. And what I think he might just have to, you know, you always hate the idea of people going and changing their games based on uh, distance because it never tends to end, end well. But if he plays as well as he has all season, not been able to win, he probably needs to go and have a look at it.
0: What if you just put Ludwig and Cork <laughs> in yeah. a new ball and then Ludwig hits every drive, right? Yep. You know, I guess you got to play the other holes, but if you play it well, <laughs> then, you know, he gets at 420. But, like, he, the- he's so accurate,
1: though, isn't he? So it's not like he, it's not like he's, um, i say so accurate. He, he he goes, that's the problem. He goes kind of, like, in and out, doesn't he, right? Like, I think he can be deadly accurate. Um, and he's not every week, which is why he doesn't win. But, uh, yeah, I just trust him. I just think the putter's there. It has been for the last 10, 12 weeks. His approach play's been solid for an extended period of time now on tougher golf courses. Um, and this is the one, as is course form, the kind of evidence that suggests that he can getting contention so i don't see him finishing outside the kind of top five this week
0: yep yep um i can absolutely see that um i'm going to go to a golfer that we debated heavily last week um the one who did not show up on the leaderboard anywhere because he missed the cut in his professional dp world tour debut and that is adrian dumont de chisar i mentioned last week that i didn't uh, the number, people were jumping on the 28s early on. I understood that. But the course fit was not there. Corn Ferry Tour does not do as great of a job looking at statistics, you know, from a, obviously a shot link standpoint. So people don't really know his game all that much. But if you do dive in and see, he has never been inside the top 10 on a From the distance on any of his corn Ferry tour events he's regular in the 20s to 40s for those where he excels though is the rest of the course and accuracy again is not even something for him either you know if you look at the first four events that he had in greens and regulation um, on the corn Ferry tour 3rd 12th 12th 7th he had another 10th in there his last few events have tailed off but at some point he pretty much did have his pga tour lock card locked up in a a any four-week standpoint right And then once you get close or on the greens, top five and scrambling in the best putter on the PG or on the corn Ferry tour from that standpoint. If we're looking at what is now here for this week, that much more aligns compared to the power test of what we saw. And now we're getting a bigger number at 35 to one. I think pressure is off, too. You say Bjork might not get it with a win. I don't think Dumont Dichesard is probably going to get it either, right? So it is just more of a carefree type of week. I think for DeMonte de he's got the PJ Tour card lock, locked up. Gets to play over here in a much better fit at a bigger number. I love it at thirty-five to one this week. And we we rarely get the each ways um, here in the states. There's a there's a let me look it up. There's thirty-three. I think I'm going to end up landing yeah on the thirty-three to one with the one fifth out to top six. So right, you're going to still yeah. get you know what's that you know seven six and a half to one. Yeah. Six, top six, six with yeah. that, right? So, um, uh, count that on my card to start.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you were bang on about him last week. Like, I think people have this in their head that young players coming out of college to go and do well on the corn very tour must be big hitters. Like, I think that's just a conception, right? And and most of the time they're right. That is generally how it's charged, but you took a little deeper dive in. That wasn't necessarily what you saw. It was his passing last week that cost him. His passing was terrible um at the Czech Masters. And yes, he lost strokes in two of the three four categories anyway but he did gain off the tee which was a surprise um so if he can kind of bring some of the accuracy over um or some of the strokes gained off the tee if you like and add in the kind of wedge play and iron play that we've seen from the tour, there's no reason why he can't go well so just on talent alone um Hart should probably be kept tabs on i think you're right i think that last week there was potentially like if he did well and he did well again he could have at least been in the Ryder Cup conversation now he hasn't done two in a row it's not going to happen so he is freewheeling and what he's looking at is can he get himself into the, the Wentworth field and things like that is is how he's going to finish off his season before he goes into the PJ Tour so do like that. Um, another person from America I haven't gone on but like Justin Sir is right below him in the odds board like this is a guy that people have been betting on the PJ Tour for good parts of the season hasn't been able to get a win over there yet but be interesting to see how he comes over talent wise at 40 to one but I'm going right back to guy with Antoine Rosner I was just I was impressed with him last week he was 10th going into the final round didn't quite hold that on but 22nd was fine um his line play got better every round last week he was fifth and 15th over the, the final two rounds and strokes going approach. so look he didn't quite do exactly what I wanted him to last week he didn't he didn't you know have that approach play all week but he did it over the weekend and that was enough for me and I think he's probably being slightly overlooked here because um, his course form is great his course form is is, is absolutely brilliant uh, as I said earlier in the show you, he has got a final around 62 here on his debut that was only good enough to see him finished 13th but last year he was fourth and he finished 65 64 66 so opening up with a 70 was really uh, damning for Rosner so for me the way he's playing the the consistency that he's showing even when he hasn't necessarily got his whole game and the whole package, Uh, Is enough for me to take Rosner at 34 to one again.
0: Yeah, a a lot to to really really like in regards to Raz. We'd be very curious on a DFS price for him because you'll probably find this middling zone um, as you maybe get into the nines or eights. Be curious on that pricing. Yeah um rasmus has been priced down as a previous winner into the 20s jordan smith is teeing it up to victor perez pretty much an outside chance i guess he could automatically qualify if things fall his way with a win um yannick paul seen um, a good amount of interest on the betting boards there, still out to 42.
1: paul's interesting this guy because he's another one that people i think have this kind of idea that he hits it quite long and he doesn't like he's he's short off the tee and does his stuff with kind of like you know strokes can approach and wedge play as well so he is someone that could benefit especially considering he played well at the Masters last week um could benefit from this course hasn't played here before um i just want like what do you think do you think he's a type that will crumble under the pressure of potentially getting that automatic spot no i mean
0: what do you have, a good like first round the Scottish and fell off from there?
1: Yeah. Like, like, does he... Will he struggle more? Because like, he generally struggles to actually get over the line, right? If he gets in contention a lot and hasn't necessarily got the wins that he's played himself into at times, is that going to be any worse because he's potentially got his Ryder Cup spot on the line? Or is it just going to be, look, he has a hard time winning anyway, it's not going to change?
0: i probably go the latter. I, yeah. I mean... It's hard not to be front of mind, but also in his position, like he, he's got to know he's not being a captain's pick. Correct. Uh, he's yeah. not. He, is he, he was he in the premier groups last week? I don't think he wasn't in like the big, big time ones. No.
1: And uh, look, I don't, I don't think he's ever really even been talked about. And yeah. I, I think these stories come out for a reason. The one what the like the reporters report on who. Luke Donald and team want them to report on, right? Like, and that's not there's nothing against that. Like that's what you want you you know, you're trying to gauge, you know, think tank uh feelings on it, right? I I do think he would have to win and get himself on the team. So like I said, the opposite of McIntyre last week, who is still and still in slightly in that spot, like I do think that's a good spot for Paul to be in that he knows he needs to win to get in. Um but yeah, I just I just wonder like I think it's a good golf course for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think guys that played well last week when it wasn't their skill set is, is yep. always a fun, fun sign to see. Um, and for me, one of those very well golfers who, now this would be a lot of fun, you get them on the Ryder Cup together, we get a brother duo of Matthew Fitzpatrick and Alex Fitzpatrick. Alex Fitzpatrick has, you know, had, I would almost say a renaissance the last six weeks um, yep. or I guess even eight weeks Uh, including the Challenge Tour, his Open Championship. That was absolutely phenomenal, where he finished 17th. The win at the British Challenge, he immediately finished his second at the ISPS Honda, um, and then last week 14th at the Czech Masters with some incredible irons. You know, Fitzy's game, Little Fitzy's game, is built more around irons and chipping around the green and what math matthew said right well, he's, he's old
1: matthew isn't he like he's yeah. he's matthew before the distance
0: yeah yeah because I, I think matt said that power putting and then alex is the opposite right with with irons and, and chipping and i didn't expect alex to be around last week played quite well once again this seems to be you know a, a great spot, a great setup for him. His course profile, you can find him 50s with that T6 each way here in the States too. Just at to this point, he's already wrapped up his his DP World Tour card. You know, sky's the limit for what the kid can be, um, and I, I love setting him up here.
1: Yeah, look, I think I think he took care of a lot with that top finish um, at the Open Championship, right? Like, I think that wasn't obviously enough to kind of lock up his card, I don't think, but he then kind of knew he belonged with that 17th place finish at the open championship wins at the british challenge two weeks later has one missed cut immediately after absolutely fine with that and then straight back into second at the isps and uh 14th like last week like you say actually got um progressively better throughout the week and as you say the irons were great and look there's two sets of brothers here and everyone would have said that uh rasmus and nikolai would be the two brothers that could be on the Ryder cup team and Interestingly, Nikolai's got Rasmus to learn from in terms of a course win and, and Alex has got Matt Fitzpatrick. There's not a better player in this field than Matt Fitzpatrick in terms of course form. So, And I don't think he's the type that, I'm sure they're competitive, but like he wants his brother to do well. He always talks about him, always picks him up. So I think that he will help him to that. And look, I said to you, I, th- I think I said in this show last week, like, is there any chance that he's going to be in Luke Donald's ear trying to encourage him? I don't think it's going to happen, but like, if he won this week, there will be discussions about it late. Like, Absolutely. it's probably not... like I don't think there's a world where it can happen because it's just, you know, how can you, like, justify it and leave some of the other people off that you're saying is not enough, you know, how would you leave Aberg off, I guess, basically. Um, But he's proven himself. Like, we were talking about him last year as, like, a oh, it's good how well he's doing in limited starts and he's got a lot to play for and he's going to make a big impact. And now, like you say, he's taking care of his tour card. He's now playing... With the freedom that you hear all these players talk about after their winning interviews, like the reason I won was because I wasn't playing for my card; I was playing to win. Um, I love his game for this. I think he is Matt Fitzpatrick. What Matt Fitzpatrick was five, six, seven years ago, and and that obviously works well here. So let's go in at him at uh, fifty to one when his brother's less than ten to one.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, super excited for him. Um, And that's alignment. I love aligning with you on that. Another one that caught my eye um, that was a little bit of performance last week um, is the Young Gun Rio Histatune. Now remember, he has yet to turn 21 years old and he he had um, DP World Tour card that includes this year 123. I believe we're up to six. Yeah, six top 10s for him so far this year. Last week, the Czech Masters um, finished 14th. But if you look at the way he got to that, right, he was somebody that had that hot start. So he, I think he was inside the top, yeah, five going into the 54 holes. He was second after 18. Um, and he just had a what I think is a really consistent year overall with good finishes. Barracuda, I guess, um, a little bit of elevation at Lake Tahoe compared to it. You know, played well there with a top 10 in basically, you know, a co sanctioned type of event and accurate, short game driven type of golfer. If any spot for him to break through, remember, he did finish 12th at the Zozo Championship, too, to kick off the 2022 2023 season um, as he had this elevated status. I think the kid can absolutely play. I've been waiting for the moment to be on him. 66s were back down. I mean, this morning, I think he was maybe even had triple digits there. But I really still like him um, in this type of setup on this course where you're going to need to putt it um, and you're going to need to at least compete from a different standpoint because he is not gaining distance on the field. He's going to be in the fairway most of the time. And that can play here.
1: Yeah, look, I think this this is a tournament where you look at these guys. I and mean, I think you're going to come on to another one uh, in a minute. Like, where... They need these types of courses to really win. Like, no, it's as simple as that. Um, it levels the playing field. It's absolutely what it does. You do still get the big hitters. I mean, as you said, Resmus Hoygaard beats Bernd Wiesberger. And then you've got Matt Fitzpatrick beating Lucas Bierregard. Rory losing the playoff twice. Like, but the difference is Rory McRoy lost in a playoff twice to Jean Francois Loquin and Sebastian Soderbergh. So it happens. And, and, I think that is ultimately what it is. Like, I think we're getting to the point of the season, Sky, where you, you take these guys, if you believe they can win, you've got to take them in these kind of spots because the Irish Open is going to lean into a certain type of player. Wentworth always leans into a certain type of player and generally goes to the classier field, right? So I think at this point, not it's not a case of like, look, you, you haven't got a chance to bet very often in 2023, like just get it done. There is more substance to it than that. Like what I liked about Hitsitsun last week is that he played well despite not doing great with his ball striking right like he, didn't, he wasn't great with his irons and tee screen like he has been in the past so i think he can bring that wedge game back and that short iron game back and i think it's a great pick
0: yeah i'm really really excited okay. about him and then this is the first time uh, we are seeing Nathan Kimsey after he played so well in the in the states oh not that isn't the first time he did play last,
1: last week last week yeah um
0: but just coming around again to be more on the side of of
1: but first time with a realistic chance, I think, Sky, since coming back from, from the States.
0: Yes. Perfectly said there. Because, I mean, I think, again, if you're looking at parallels, last week was middling for him, right? T31 finish um, overall with a little bit of spikes, but you know, 68-69 weekend made the cut safely. But if we look at what we've seen from him, right? He had that 10th uh, again, he's only had five, five starts now since returning from a length the absence um, from what he had, and that included the 10th um, over at the Maiden Himmerlin, and then the second at the Barbasol, 25th at the Barracuda, um, with being inside the top 10 after 54 holes um, for him, which includes some, uh, a pair of 65s. I just love him at this type of setup now, once again, built around, accurate in the rest of the bag. Irons were pretty okay, I would say did win, you know, on the Challenge Tour, arguably was a Challenge Tour player of the year last year, um, getting back up here at the age of 30 years old. Uh, a lot to love for me for Nathan Kimsey.
1: Yeah, I think, look, he he showed that period. And I think people were very keen to bet on him after he came back from America. And last week just wasn't really the week. He he was 17th in strokes getting approach, So he hit his irons and wedges well again, just probably at a handicap for the distance, right? He's never been a distance player. Uh, can come here and play well i'm not sure he's actually played the course let me just have a look uh on that no so he's haven't played here in the past but i don't think i don't think that's necessarily a massive handicap uh rasmus won on his no, debut Th- Thruston lawrence one yeah that's right yeah yeah so the the last two winners are won on debut um fitz missed the cut on his debut and then finished second and seventh first first so like you can bounce back from not you know, having the kind of course history. Even Richie Ramsey missed up missed cup thirty for first first first, like Sub Soderbergh won on debut. So there'll be that there'll be a talk of like course form and course experiences vital, but the three of the last what five winners have won on debut. So um would be interesting really to see. Because I think sometimes like the, the the kind of train of thought, and it's a, it's a fair one, is like you want to know, you want someone that is good at calculating for um the altitude right and, and changing the distances for any experience of that but sometimes it, it might just play in your mind too much you might just want the guy that just turns up for the first time enjoys it hits their irons and wedges as long as you got a good caddy on the bag i think anyone can do it so um yeah I don't, I don't think that's a massive handicap and i think like you say it's a good golf course for him and take the take the positives from someone that played well last week i've got someone that finished in exactly the same position with him later on Um, And very similar reasons.
0: Yep. Um, So we're going to keep rolling here one more uh, before we hit triple digits. And it's our man. He's back. You know, he he was gallivanting um, with his girlfriend across everywhere you could imagine. Um, (laughs) I saw Ibiza for a little bit, partying it up. And, you know, I I think there was a reason to celebrate for Guido Migliazzi, because what he did leading into that break was five straight made cuts, Tom. We got a little (laughs) form out of our guy, Guido. And, you know, what was really, I think, under the radar and unexpected to me, right, going and showing up at the Open Championship this year at Royal Liverpool, off the radar completely, right? Like, I think he had some hype the year prior in the Open Championship, and Guido was 10th, going into the weekend, 20th, going into Sunday, before he got blown off the planet and did shoot an 80. But Mm. what we had seen, BMW International Open was really strong. That Fred British Masters, when the world was on him and he was the 54-hole leader, finishes 28th, right? Himmerland, not good, makes the cut, though. And then, you know, again, Scottish Open, when you look at an event that is up in... I guess, you know, pedigree, you're up in, in yeah. 26th of the first round, a made cut, you know, there was parallels in some ways to what um Sammy Valamaki did, you know, Sammy last week, it wasn't really on my um, radar, but again, he was 78th and 68th in those two events. You saw him fist pumping like crazy at the open championship when he made the cut on Friday and then he comes up and, you know, he plays absolutely spectacular and finishes fourth last week. I think Guido had a similar stretch of golf that really is kind of, you know, under the radar. We see him at a course he has a top seven finish at um, two times ago, which was really good. And two other made cuts uh, for Guido at this event. I just think, again, you know, and that first I think he's got two sixty fives in his bag here Um yeah, first time he played here, opening round 65, second time, 65 to close. So I think a lot of parallels running into Guido um, at this type of event. His accuracy has been better. Again, his around the green is exponentially improved. Um, I, I like him regardless for the setup here. And 80-1, to one, you can find him um,
1: this week. Yeah, this is a guy that we we talk about creativity and that being a benefit for Migliotti. I just don't – he's not great at these places where it's like just hit 350 yards – Hit it again, putt it, and hope for a birdie. Like, like as much as I think he can do that distance-wise, he just doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to get him going. He needs to see the shots, I think. And and to your point, he closed with uh, he opened with 65 on his debut, closed with 65 on his uh, second start. But more importantly, like, there's been consistent 66s. Like, he closed with a 66 on debut. Uh, he had two last year, and yeah, I think the the main difference between I think you're you, you can make a great point point, kind of draw in parallels with him and Valimaki. The difference is, is Valimaki's played here once and missed the cut, whereas Guido's got the top 10 finish, right? And pretty steady form other than that as well. So um, I'm not going to try and talk you off Guido Migliotti. It's basically pointless, but um, some, some more context there, I guess, for the resistance. For the
0: yep. Absolutely. I appreciate your support. always. <laughs> um, all right. So we'll pick up, we have uh, Tom's, nibbling with two triple digit guys here that he likes a lot and then we're getting deep into the weeds uh for a couple of mine so tom can you go back to back
1: yeah so eduardo molinari i mentioned earlier about playing in front of him could be really important and i feel like we've looked at eduardo molinari a lot and sort of then decided no, that's not gonna happen like i think last year we did a lot of kind of backing him and going oh well if just so the putter gets right we'll we'll go with it and it'll work and then we kind of gave up on that theory this year that this putter is not going to get right um the good news is he has spoken to adam scott at the open championship looked at him with his broomstick putter and copied him and he ranked 29th in straight game putting last week with it for the first time so he's now returned to a golf course so in 2009 he started with a fourteenth and then went second 12th and 13th here and even last year he was 29th and i don't think he was in great form coming in either uh, 20th in strokes game approach on Green last week on top of the 29th in strokes game putting. It's been a really solid um, performance all round for him. And I, the, putter, the putter is ultimately the difference. I think it's a perfect golf course for him. I still think it's it's one of those ones where we saw Thomas Bjorn and Miguel Angel Jimenez kind of compete until their later years and even win in their later years. And he's the type that I think is still capable of that. We know he is a, a multiple winner on the, on the DP World Tour. And I just think he's the type that will take a lot of pride. I think we've seen it with Donald a few times. Take a lot of pride of playing well in front of the guys they're asking to play well. Like, if he's sitting there going, look, Ludwig proved to me that you deserve to be in a Ryder Cup team. There's no good him missing the cut. Um, He will want to be in the heat of the battle with him and say, come and beat me on Sunday to to earn your spot. So whether that's a little bit kind of fanatical, I don't know. But I, I like it. And I think the putter helps.
0: Dube San showed up for the first time in forever last week and made the cut no problem, right? Like, these guys can show it up from that side. I actually even thought Luke Donald was a little bit interesting um, after he had some okay showings. um, But I I think Dodo Molinari's fitting very, very well here.
1: I think, think, like, the difference between those two is, one, Molinari, probably for an extended period of recent years, has still been competitive, whereas Donald would fire a low round and then kind of disappear um but yeah i mean like he's shown up i think we, it's definitely a cause where i think veterans can play well and that that's the that's ultimately the, the key uh i mean miguel Angel him is playing this week which i love um it'd be lovely to see him make the cut i'm sure he'll make a few dk lineups whatever price he is but um yeah i think ultimately with Molinari, it's that broomstick passer if he hadn't changed that i probably wouldn't be interested because i think that we'd still be having the same conversation of, okay, he played well, but the putt is so bad. But that was basically what charged his decent performance last week. So in on that. And then the other one was John Catlin, who I feel like you maybe have brought up recently and either not gone to him or it just didn't really pan out. But he is a type of player that very much needs a certain goal. Of course, he plays well in South Africa. I think he's played well in Kenya in the past and Valderrama has a lot of crossover and he's obviously won there and, and competed a couple of times as well. And we talk about players that play well at courses that don't suit them. Last week, he opened with a 73, but he shot second round 67 to make the cut. And then 70-67 over the weekend. And he is not a big hitter. He is Nathan Kimsey. He finished 31st with Nathan Kimsey. But on top of that, he was fifth in approach last week, which is key for John Catlin. Like, if, he, if his short lines and wedges are not dialled in, there's no point in betting him. But they are, uh, as of last week. And that was coming off a, a pretty rough period of events right i mean he's missed what five in a row the last time he made the cut was at the scandinavian mix where he's fourth going into the weekend so he's shown that when he makes the cut he he's kind of competitive and that plus the fact that when he played here two years ago he was 21st and he was ninth going into the weekend sixth going into the final round and then finished 21st so I think Catelyn's definitely got enough to get in the mix. We know if he does get in the mix, he can win because he's shown it that first multiple times. Uh, so, yeah, I like Catelyn. I think he's got plenty to... I don't know if he's got plenty to prove because he's kind of got his wins, but like, I think he wants to prove that he's not just going to go away, uh, which is definitely a potential risk. Um, so, 150 to 1, with the life he showed last week, definitely that approach play. I really like John Cat.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think he lined up really, really well. Um, somebody who was one off of basically no form the last time at that that Austrian um, event that I think we both we tipped him up that, that week too. Yep. Um, so yes, very, very interesting um, when we look into him. Make sure I'm gonna give a shout out to our audio listeners before we, we wrap up the betting cards here. Again, you can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets the Mix, um, Mayo Media Network. Please rate, review, subscribe. Um, goes a long, long way. Again, I'm hoping we get a bunch of eyeballs this week, um, Tom, as we you know, step into uncharted territory for these DK contests. Again, two shows for us this week will be available both on YouTube um, and as, and on the audio format. So looking forward uh, to both aspects of that. I leaderboard watch a ton. I think we both do, right? We wake up in the morning where we're checking scores, you know, you're seeing guys on front page of leaderboards and and a big part of the way that you go about uh, your work is looking at, you know, round by round data or maybe who was first after 36 and then had a bad weekend. And there's two golfers in in my opinion that have done that and two that I think really highly of um, in their, I guess, range or, or where they're normally priced at and two golfers who are much better suited at this type of course than any other one that we're normally going to see. That first one um, for me is the one and Pedro Figueroa. Hmm. You know, Pedro, Pedro has, we, we went kind of, you brought him up last week, right? Yep. We went into a conversation in, about him and coming from his distance and we talked to Alexander Bjork. I mean, Pedro might be the only one shorter than him. <laughs> I'd love to
1: see them have a drive-off. They should do like, DP World Tour content of who can hit the the furthest.
0: I mean, he's averaging a good 20 yards less than, than the field average most weeks, right? Um, so, you know, Pedro coming up here, finishing 22nd last week at that. He's, he must almost have a knack because he did it at the Porsche European Open, too, where he was 14th that week on some bigger courses that when he finds himself – Carrying his game. Now, those weeks often come with putter spikes, right? all Open, even he had that. I mean, he's gotten it done at some bigger tracks where he finished really well. But, you know, Figueroa is somebody who's built around, if he can be playing out of the fairway, in which he did really good at the ISPS Honda, and then Masters, he was above the field. But he's just got a game that I think is, can be scrappy. And the big thing is, again, we see him. I mean, you look at the, the events. I texted you, I think it would have been Saturday morning when Pedro yeah. was looking up inside the top 10 going into the weekend. Right? I guess he was fifth going into the weekend. Uh, and then you looked at him the previous time out. He was 10th at the halfway point, the ISPS Honda. That is just a recipe for me to, to really, really get in on. Um, so I I guess that Plus the fact that he's a thousand to one this week, right? Yeah, one,
1: you get Pedro. Uh, that's, that's the thing. Like you're not asking him. You're not saying, okay, well he's finished Thursday 8th and twenty second. He's trending. Let's pick him at fifty to one. You're still picking him at a thousand to one. And and like you say, he was what tenth, ninth going into the weekend at the ISPS hander, He was fifth when you messaged me. But more impressively, Sky, I think that the SEO from was sixty seven. But even his bad week last week was what like a seventy two. And we we've already mentioned the people that struggled on Saturday. There was plenty of them. I mean, it's not it's not a great shake that he did that. And then you go into the fact that actually he's played the golf course twice and he finished thirty fifth on debut, um, shooting three rounds below 60, uh, 68 or better. The only thing with Figueredo is I just don't know like what the ceiling is with Figueredo. Like is 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 a top five or a top ten like his absolute best, but. I guess you're factoring in that when you're backing him at thousands one, knowing that the top five and the top ten price are going to be good.
0: Yeah, if you look at it, so the each way books over here don't have him at a thousand, but you, no. could, go, you could go get 130 to one on a top five at DraftKings, 45 to one um, for a top ten, 14 to one for a top 20. So I'm going to ladder those guys out um, down to there. So I do think very highly. He won a a, a small mini series event during their break. Uh, I mean, you're right. Right. He has. I mean, he was really good in the challenge Tour in 2018 with a victory pro golf tour used to light up um, 17, 16. I mean, he had a, a pretty like decent pedigree as an amateur overall. Um, so, you know, he has some to him now. He's 32 years old. Right. it been some time and he hasn't really kicked on in a big way. But Pedro um, is one for me there. And then just to get another golfer who I view very, very similar to and is almost rinse and repeat of that recipe. And that is Manu Gondis. Manu Gondas 1000 to 1 once again, and we can ladder that out top 5 for Gondis. He's a little bit shorter in that market. Uh, actually, just kidding. He's 150 to 1 right now um, on the top 5 top 10, 50 to 1 and then top 20, 18 to 1 just released for Gondis. Um you look at the exact same recipe of what he did. Um, So Gondis finished 20th at the um, ISPS Honda, where he was third after the first round, 10th going into the final round. Last week he opened up um, and he was fifth, I believe, after the first round, seventh after the first round. Had a troubling Saturday, uh, just like many, troubling Friday. Um, Closed with a 68, that was okay. Um, regardless, I mean, just from a leaderboard standpoint has just seemed to pop up a few more times than we recently had. We had bet him, um, it was which one it would have been. I'm trying to think we were all in on him together at the hero Indian open where he had his yeah. 32nd finish. If he had played well in Thailand, um, and the reason why we liked him so much at the Indian Open, right, he, he came from the PGA Tour of India where he had won six times the previous year. So we know he has that that type of ceiling um, kind of in him, you know, kind of middling numbers. I mean, he's, he's not long off the tee. He can hit some fairways, um, you know, but his short game is what's going to drive him. So if it, it's literally a mimic of Figueroa with Gondis at the same odds down the board and somebody that i i have kept an eye on onto the year um so at a course that sets up where these guys can really thrive um i think both of them make outstanding hopefully drafting sleepers probably pretty close to the minimum this week um that we'll see tomorrow but man top 20s with them if you get top 40s even in markets this week i think both of those two make a ton of sense
1: and look we we said last week right um and you know, more for me maybe not betting them but like Nick Backham, 4th. Um, Alejandro Del Rey, 25th. Styles make these events. And I think sometimes we, we're we guilty of just, OK, look, if they haven't finished 10th, 8th, 6th, 4th, then we think they can win. Then we kind of overlook these players. And I think what we both do a great job of doing and not to pat ourselves on the back, but we do go round by round and say, like, look, they played well for two rounds. And it was a course that doesn't necessarily suit them or... You know, they they just went in the water twice or whatever. And there's people out there that are doing great things with data where they're kind of taking out the one, you know, um, abject kind of shot and and breaking it down. So so even Norgard model last week, 14th. You just get these kind of things where you get a feeding on a player. Manu Ganes is someone you follow. Pedro is someone that we've kind of followed as a bit of a cult figure on here. But um, yeah, I, I think you give these players a chance when the course is right, especially when they've shown something. Manu Gandas has shown multiple times now that he can play well at suitable well. golf courses. He can win at certain levels. Do I think they're going to win? No, but they're a thousand to one, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I think that there's a bunch of names, right? And I'm going to save like the actual full spell on them for the DraftKings show because we yep. be have some good content for that. But like, there's a couple of players that I looked at, both three hundred to one. JC Ritchie um, yep. playing some good golf. Will Besseling led the field in approach last week. He's uh, got some decent course and correlative yeah, form. He
0: the field. He led it by three strokes with a mediocre yeah. Sunday.
1: Yeah. Which concerns me that like you can't replicate that, which is ultimately why I've not gone there. And the fact that every single time I've ever thought Will besting is going to play well, he doesn't. So I, I think he's a DraftKings play for me rather than the Bex. I don't necessarily think even if he was, you know, right up there, he would win. Um, but yeah, like I think there's, there's names. Zanotti played well last week and he's got the perfect uh, profile for this. So there's, there's, Three or four names, there's one escaping me right now that I can't exactly remember who it was, but there's a few out there that I kind of thought about that were just kind of close, and this is the week to take them, because this course definitely levels the playing field. You can get a bit of a shock here, even when the best players are playing, and this is the first time this event has really mattered, I think, for the Ryder Cup picks. I think most of the time, people will come in here either warming up for the Ryder Cup, or I don't think people have come here trying to get on the Ryder Cup team, so um I I really like how this week sets up for some of these long shots who don't necessarily have the pressure on them how, many, how many do you do was the other one I was thinking of um these az five to one playing good golf
0: yep absolutely um and again we'll we'll go thoroughly through the field tomorrow for yep. the salaries um on a DFS standpoint but um before we wrap up um let's review our betting cards Tom here you start please
1: yeah, so 28 to 1, Alexander Bjork, uh, 34 to 1, Antoine Rosner, 50 to 1, Alex Fitzpatrick together there. Um, and then I go with Eduardo Molinari, 100 to 1. And then John Catlin is 150 to 1 best price. That's my team for now.
0: Awesome. I am on Adrian Dumont de Chessar. He's 33 to 1 with that T6 each way. Alex Fitzpatrick with you. 50s there with the each way, 2 to T6. Histatune or Rio Histatune, 66 to 1 is the price with the T6 each way here. Nathan Kimsey is um, a little bit shorter in some of the each way markets. I'm on 70 to 1 with a top 5. Guido Migliazzi, of course, 80 to 1. Really, really like him uh, with the top 6 each way. And then our two guys, Pedro Figarito and Manu Gandes, 1,000 to 1, laddered out with the top 5, 10, and 20 this week. So um, super excited for, for the Omega European Masters. This is a great um kind of appetizer to tomorrow's show is one of our followers for sure going to win us 100k uh this week tom i've got confidence in it
1: yeah i mean look selfishly i hope it's one of us <laughs> but like if it's one of our followers then great i think that's the main that's the main end it's the next best thing for us um yep. if i can't win a ton of money then i hope you do so that's my approach um look forward to it i think it's gonna be a great show it's gonna be good to talk DraftKings. And it'd be meaningful for the DP World Tour, right? Like I think that's the the biggest difference is like we really want to uh, focus on that from a from a standpoint. So looking forward to that. Sky, thank you as ever for the research, the hosting, and everything else that comes in between. And I look forward to tomorrow.
0: Awesome. Yep, absolutely. We'll see you guys then. Thank you again, Tom, and good luck, everybody. <laughs>